0: from Bottom Line Technologies. Financial crime and the reasons behind it are continually evolving, which is exactly why during this year's ITA Financial Crime Forum, four leading fraud experts shared their views about what we can expect when it comes to fraud and financial crime in the year 2025. How should we prepare for it? Hello, I'm Rich Williams, host of the Payments Podcast, and today I'll be speaking with Omri Kletter, VP of Cybercrime and Fraud Management at Bottom Line, and also one of the panellists during the ITA session on how organisations should prepare to stay ahead of new trends and forms of criminal activity. Hi Omri, first time on the show, so a big welcome to you.
1: Thank you, pleasure to be here, Um, looking forward to our chat.
0: So let's go straight into it then. Uh, One of the first questions during this panel was focused on the technology in play around financial crime and looking at machine learning and data analytics in particular. Now, how rapidly do you think the landscape is set to change over the next five years? And do you see a move to cloud-based, real-time monitoring, something which is likely or, or inevitable?
1: brilliant question and obviously this is one of the questions we ask ourselves as a panel when we had the you know the luxury to have different point of views from different geographies and it's always interesting to you know um to reflect on these questions um you know uh, um it's very hard to forecast by by nature but we we, we did want to have this kind of panel on, on and to have the ability uh, to plan because on one hand Obviously, it's it's quite a challenge to think what will happen in five years. I ma- I'm mentioning it, you know, we're having this recording in a really unprecedented times in history. And no one, uh, I would say four or three years ago, even uh, one year ago, would expect how this would look like, right? So um, we need to be quite humble when we're trying to reflect and, and to focus what will happen in the future. Nevertheless, <clears throat> when we're managing uh, big programs, big organizations, we must we must take some assumptions. As we plan and kind of I would say the conflict between understanding the complexity in, in forecasting, but also the need to have assumptions as we plan ahead. And we are obviously um are you know living in a in, in a industry, in a in a in a discourse that is super vivid, we're seeing the changes all the time. And this is really one of the main topics for us as a society, you know, we're, we're going much more into the digital world, the question how we protect ourselves from fraud and financial crime is becoming uh, such a core element to what we do, right? Um, So that's kind of almost a kind of a preamble uh, to this discussion. When we think about um, the next five years, and and, and maybe just one comment around COVID, because obviously we don't want to make it a COVID discussion. One thing that we should remember, that what we've seen in the last six, nine months, is that processes that... um, would have take five, 10 years to mature, right? Digitalization, the you know, remote access changes in, in how we operate. By the way, all the things that we're seeing now were focused at, you know, to be as a slow process, but they were kind of condensed into few months. So I, I believe uh, that if, if one, one thing that we can definitely predict, and it's obviously impact your know, question around financial crime and, and, and data and analytics, And how we kind of change, kind of how the landscape will be changed, is the fact that we are uh, predicting constant change in a much more rapid um, uh, element, and that must be one of the fundamental concepts when we are designing uh, the solutions. So that's kind of I would say uh, I would start from here. And when you think about kind of the changes your point around the next five years in technology, before we dive into technology, I think you know when we have. Uh, We in bottom line, we have a unique point of view, not only because what we do, but also because where we sit. We we sit in different junctions uh, in in what I would call business payment lifecycle, and it allows us to to see some some unique activities. And hence, before I kind of touch the question of of the specific changes, I want to highlight three main things that are changing um, in parallel. And these are the main drivers to the changes in technology which you are asking for. So we are seeing dramatic change in fraud and AML as what I would call a specific topics. And, you know, for example, in fraud, we're seeing higher um, a- attacks than, than ever, and that's because of some society, you know, social changes. And we're seeing higher fines in AML. Where you know, We, we just saw in the news few few elements on how the AML Topic is is bubbling and, and taking, I would say, uh, top headlines in our in our environments. Um, so, fraud and financial crime, as, as a discourse, as a, as a topic, is is kind of going through uh, dramatic changes that practically uh, making it more and more lucrative for the bad guys to operate. But this is only one element. The second element that is the payment payment element, which is a standalone activity, right? is also going through dramatic changes. We're seeing um, a drive for economization, right? We're seeing um, you know, all the changes with, with the latest ISO. So more and more traffic is is is, is being represented in, in a single manner. That's a, a dramatic change that we are obviously supporting in bottom line put aside our cybercrime and fraud business. We're kind of This is core to who we are and what we do. But I'm saying it because in addition to the changes on an AML, there are specific changes in payment that are uh, impacting that. So I talked about colonization. I should definitely mention the fact that in many areas around the globe, and here in the UK, we're doing it for many years, but not necessarily in other places, we're seeing drive into instant payments and into faster payments as a concept, which again, have dramatic impact on how fraud and AML should react. And the last point would be of obviously open banking. So the concept of, of who is the customer that's reaching out to the entity and how this customer is being represented is going through dramatic uh, changes. So we talked about the changes in and AML as a standalone activity. We talked about the changes in, in payment as, if you like, the, the ecosystem where foreign financial crime takes place. But to your point, there is a third change, dramatic change around technology itself. So the the move into the cloud, the availability of of um, in, in data science as a main practice. By the way, five years ago, if I would ask you, Richard, do you have data scientists in your organization? You would ask me, what is it? You know, who is a data scientist, right? So we're seeing a, a new paradigm around data, around analytics, and everything available through the cloud. So these are the three kind of forces, <coughs> the changes. Sorry, the changes how we. Of how we think about the changes in foreign financial crime in the next five years. If you ask me what you know, what are the key things we'll see uh, that you know changing in the technology, and that was part of the uh, kind of part of the question that started the IT panel, I'm expecting changes in three main things. One is around data, so far, data for foreign financial crime is still too much structured. Still too much time and effort for organizations. It's being invested in making the data available. I believe that we'll see a dramatic change over there. I can tell you that here in bottom line, we're investing a lot in making data much more accessible, much more easy to consume. And I would introduce here the concept of consumability. So data is one thing. Analytics. You know, we talked about data science. One thing that I'm expecting to see in the coming years: the technologies and and focus around self development and machine learning that was mainly being experimental in the t one banks will will become a uh, much more available, much more common uh, across the industry, tier two, three, four, and corporates. And, and that will be a dramatic change. The idea to combine both uh, um, artificial intelligence with expert features and uh, uh, history. Uh, so that would be a second thing. And the third element would be around investigation and we'll talk about it later when, when you know, I, I kind of, uh, during the discussion. This is again an area that I'm expecting to, to see uh, going through disruption and, and dramatic change. So data analytics investigation, I gave a few examples um, uh, where I, I believe to your question, uh, areas will see uh, changes in the coming five years.
0: Thanks, Omri. A very comprehensive start to the the podcast there. And I think to your point there about bottom line being uniquely positioned, uh, we've mentioned this on the podcast before several times, is that we look at people, process and technology, and I suppose data fits in there nicely as well. Um, Now, we'll come on to some of these topics again later in more detail, particularly around uh, anti-money laundering but um uh, for the second question i have for you now the other panelists were asked whether they think it's evolutionary or revolutionary change which is required within financial institutions to react to this changing payments landscape or financial uh, fraud and crime landscape now what's your specific take on that it's
1: um it's a very you know it's, it's a very good question and and i think it's a good question also because it helps us to think what is the magnitude of change we need to embrace, right? So if you think about, and that's generally when we think about organizations. When we think about evolution, we think about okay, this is like almost BAU type with with you know in line with the growth that we are expecting to do. Um, you know, it's like a, let's upgrade um, a, a some of the processes. Let's maybe invest more in in in, in increasing the relevant teams, and that's fine. So. Uh, It it would be um, an example for something that is more or less working. And when we think about evolution, we think about areas where we really need to do, you know, things completely different. Um, And I think the reality for organizations that they will need to first, and I think that's almost kind of a tip to the audience, identify, well, what are the things that are actually, if you just evolve them, you know... you should be fine, but what are the you know let's be real with ourselves. This is super important in in the environment we are living in. we must be we, we must must be much more candid with ourselves and identify areas that we really need to revolve. I, I'm you know I can tell you that I'm doing the same with my teams and in and, and this kind of concept and this kind of tool of of identifying what is, working and, and let's evolve with kind of in a BAU business in usual mode. And what are the things that really need disruption is a key key element for us as, as leaders and, and managers. If you ask me what are the, you know, So, so again, I believe we'll see a combination of both for more, more, most of the organizations. But I do want to highlight a few things that really require revolution. And, and one of them for me is how we how we deal with, uh, with um, investigations and alerts. I think so far, if you reflect back on the last few years, because obviously, foreign financial crime, and we're seeing it across the um, across the service we're doing, across the kind of the the, rich, the positive friction we're having with the industry. I know that in this in postca- podcast, for example, we discussed a few times our kind of payment barometer and, and the things that we're seeing. And, and one thing that is clear, foreign financial crime is becoming higher and higher on the headlines for the C level kind of uh, leadership in each and every organization. This is true both for banks and for multinational corporates. Um, and I think with that, what are the areas that we, we need to revolve to really create a revolution in the world of fraud and financial crime? It goes a bit, you know, I think it's super connected to what we discussed before on data analytics investigation. But I want to go uh, and to give a specific example around the investigation and how we analyze uh, things. So far, the way most organizations deal with the increase in data or the increase in traffic, right? People create, think about us as, as, you know, each and every person, you know, even the two of us, Rachel, right? We create more signals. Even, even this call, it creates like more and more signals and it'll be recorded and we'll have more and more metadata related to that. It means by definition, if, if the n- amount of traffic was doubled or tripled, in the last few years, by definition, it means that the number of alerts and the number of, of events and incidents that require fraud and financial crime experts to review and to make a decision if to create a SAR or to stop the payment because of fraud is increasing. And so far, the way organizations deal with it is to throw more people into the floor. Um, and that was, you know, a great if you are a fraud and financial crime expert. It means that you are, more, you know, in, in a greater need. But I, my point of view that it can scale. I think organizations won't be able just to throw more people into the uh, fraud operation uh, floor or for the AML compliance investigation team. And we'll need to do something different here. I can tell you exactly that we are heavily investing in making an eight-minute investigation into three-minute investigation. And you can do it only if you are doing a dramatic revolution in how you deal with with this kind of investigation task, you need to bring much more automation into the process, much more visualization into the process. Um, again, we're in a unique point of view where we are sitting in a good place between being kind of data hub and um, you know sitting just before the payment leaves the organization, which allows us to really understand how to build this process properly. But I do want to highlight um, that uh, the industry must re- kind of must. Uh, go through a revolution in the way it deals with um, with alerts and with incidents and and I think you know so far in the industry just threw more people into the pile I think we will we, we'll see in the coming years a need to reduce some of the costs around fraud and compliance and that could be driven through automation visualization and just smarter uh, approach and i I can't see just going through some uh, upgrade processes for this uh, uh, for this specific problem. I hope it makes sense, but kind of that take on that. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, interesting point there about the scalability of of how to actually analyze the data. And you know, it seems like it's it's growing exponentially. So uh, bad news there for anyone that was hoping for a, a COVID immune job description. Um, Moving on slightly to regulations now, which is always a popular topic due to the, the fundamental effect it has on financial institutions and, and all of us uh, fundamentally, um, how likely is the regulatory environment to evolve over the next five-year time period?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think um, regulation um, will, again, go through some, some changes and I'll explain why. First of all, in, so far we've seen regulation being a bit uh, reactive to stuff, right? Kind of there, kind of there is a problem and the, regu- the regulator steps in because of the ch- kind of the, the changes in the rapidness of changes, right. Uh, I think that this is one area we'll see uh, changing. So we'll see much more proactive approach from the regulator. yeah I, I'm speaking with with um, several of them and, and I understand there is a need to change. The kind of the, the way of uh, the way they operate, and not necessarily trying to find a solution to a problem that is is soaring, rather trying to put the remedy even before the problem comes. So I, I'm I'm expecting to see much more much more proactiveness, and I know that you have a few interesting uh, panelists to to join this uh, important podcast in the future. And I believe that they you know you, you, we will hear more and more a, a proactive approach that is less reactive to what's happening. So that's uh, one thing to mention. The second thing is is the dramatic change around um, fraud and regulation. So I'm 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 um, I'm in this industry for quite a while, and and I was always kind of more focused on fraud than AML. And I was looking from a you know from a, a, a fraud point of view. To be honest, quite sometimes jealous with with the AML guys because it was very easy to convince the the board or the exec to invest in AML because AML used to be um, Regulatory-driven business, where fraud was more like a p you know how much we are losing currently—and it's you know it's our own uh, decision how to uh, react and how to deal with 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 fraud. One of the things that there was change, we are, we've seen in the last few years, and to your question around um, the changes in 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 regulation in the coming years, and I'm expecting this trend to be even stronger. In the last few years, is um, fraud becoming more and more regulated area? We're, we are seeing it now with with how the industry here in the UK, for example, reacts uh, to APP fraud, authorized push payment fraud, as a phenomena, and trying to create some rules and logics. You know, we are invested heavily, as you know, in, in bottom line in, in finding specific remedies to some of these problems, like confirmation of pay, which again. A, a case where the industry and the regulators are trying to find a better way to protect victims. We've seen it also with, with PSD2, where again, the European regulator is trying to put for the first time exact rules on how authentication and fraud processes should take place. So um, to answer your questions, what are the changes we, we, we are expecting to see in the next five years? And I think throughout the panel, there was quite a unanimous um, point of view on that. One is a move from um, uh, being reactive uh, to proactiveness, and regulators will try to set the scene um, for the future problems compared to just uh, focusing on solving yesterday problems. We want to go beyond that. The second thing, as i started to discuss now, uh, would be changes in in how uh, fraud is becoming more and more regulated. And this is also one of the reasons we're seeing a convergence between fraud and AML. We would like to be in a position we are um, uh, solving more than one problem. And I think, again, the perfect storming technology allows us now, for example, we are uh, more and more involved in, in projects and programs f- for clients where they're asking to do both, for example, sanction uh, screening and watch list screening together with uh, fraud uh, detection on the payment because the point of view that, hey, these both things are now being regulated. Regulation will come stronger in the coming years. We want your bottom line to solve two in one. And that's a, for us a very important focus area. So we talked about moving to proactiveness. We talked about the change in fraud. The third thing that I think is critical when you think about regulation <clears throat> is actually more and more um, responsibility on corporates and not just on banks. So I think there is almost a dramatic gap between how banks are being scrutinized for foreign financial crime, and could be the smallest uh, building society up there, in you the know, compared to how multi-national uh, corporate, and you know, you you and I can can think about several examples where they actually, from a magnitude perspective and the number of payments they are doing a day would be larger than a bank, but still they're controlled their point of view on on their responsibility on fraud and financial crime is quite immature. For me, you know, we talked about uh, uh, being proactive. We talked about the changes in fraud. I would say that one of the main things we'll see in the next five years in terms of changes in regulation is how corporates uh, will be more and more under scrutiny and pressure to step up their game uh, from fraud and financial crime perspective. Again, for us, uh, this is key in bottom line because we are, when we think about our focus on business payments, we're not limiting ourselves for banks or financial institutions, we see, a, a, you know, a great a pride in the fact that we are helping uh, thousands of corporates uh, around the globe, uh, not just to pay and get paid, but also uh, to uh, put controls on for foreign financial crime. Uh, this is for us a, a, a key focus area, and I, I believe, again, if if, if we have on, on the audience someone that is actually more part of a corporate rather than bank, I, I think we'll see more and more corporates trying to hire experts from foreign financial crime and doing more activities over there.
0: Thanks, Omri. And, and I think I probably know the answer to this next question, but wow. I'll ask it regardless. Do you see innovation and technology helping with these regulatory changes over the next five-year period?
1: Um, yes. <laughs> so, I'm <laughs> not sure you know the answer. Um I think you know. By the way, technology is being used not 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 just by us, the you know the good guys, right? Well also the bad guys. So we must embrace technology. I would say in the same level and speed and creativity that unfortunately the bad guys are using. Um, we're seeing it, for example, how the bad guys are, are evolving their game on on sharing tactics and having their own networks and. Um, communications on the dark web. I'm I'm expecting us, and I think the reason I'm saying us because we need to to break the wall between the three players, right? The regulators, um, a, a, the, the the FIs or the corporates and the vendors. We'll need to see how technology help this triangle to work much more closely. You know, we we are building that's our aim. We are building a platforms where organizations. Can work together to fight for the financial crime. Right? We are investing heavily in the ability to share intel, to share, um, you know, uh, lists of of, of accounts or whatever is needed for not just one organization to benefit it, but really to embrace the value of of community. And there is a strong connection between the, the value of community and the fact that the technology of 2020 and 2025 enable us to do it. Right? Mainly with cloud and the ability to share data, you know, and to store data with uh, big data capabilities and run analytics much faster. So the technology is going uh, hand by hand with with what is needed. And what I'm expecting us to see, you know, in in the next five years. So as I mentioned before, we have strong platforms where we're allowing um, uh, corporates or banks to fight together for the financial crime.
0: So, Omri, let's bring this uh, podcast to a close now, if I may, and uh, look at our final question. Now, there's a lot of talk about real-time monitoring of money laundering and fraud in the industry and the challenges that that presents. In fact, you mentioned it earlier on in in the conversation. Now, what do you think this could look like in 2025?
1: So, I think the question of how to deal with real-time, so far the focus was not on and financial crime, and I think this question is so perfectly uh, in place to kind of um, in, uh, end our discussion with, because I think it's a good time to think what are the implications of fraud financial crime uh, around real-time, and i beyond, obviously, what is being done in the UK for several years. I think um, uh, think about APP, again, Authorized Push Payment, as a problem that, by the way, holds both fraud and financial crime, because if we are talking about the fraud element of, obviously, victims that are losing their Entire savings because they authorize the payment as part of an investment scheme um, or investment scam, I should say. Um, we, we will see more and more problems that um, must, you know, we must put controls around them. I'll give an example: mule accounts, which is again a flip side of, of app fraud because app fraud uh, payment will land somewhere on mule accounts. Should we think, what are the f- real-time controls we want to do from an AML perspective? So far, AML was always a story of T plus one. I'm talking mainly about transaction monitoring. Um, obviously, with, with sanctions and with, with real-time payments fraud, eh, these things are, 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 are eh, implying that real-time elements on foreign financial crime should, should be increased. So I think there are specific, you know, to, to highlight the specific problems that will require real-time uh, uh, solutions. Mule accounts would be a good example. Account opening and applications. This is one of the main changes, I would say, in the digital world. Um, we are in a, a payments environment that went digital for a while, uh, but traditionally, many of the applications were still not real-time. We're seeing more and more uh, creation activities, applications activities that are real-time and have real-time manners, and hence will require real-time for the AML controls. And the good news is that from a technology perspective, we are in a much stronger position to do it. You know, we, we, we go higher on the transaction per second, we can consume, we can store more data, we can use more advanced analytics, we can uh, make the process go live much faster. You know, we are... Aiming to allow organizations to go live with fraud and financial crime solutions within weeks, Uh, and and it used to be like a a, um, uh, future science to think that uh, organizations can have proper uh, fraud controls within within weeks since uh, since they kind of uh, onboard the solution. So I I think uh, I think the question is super valid. I, I don't think you know. I think it's almost a, a good invitation for another a podcast for us to discuss what are the full implications of, of real-time. I gave two specific examples, mule accounts, an account opening and applications that I believe will require uh, changes in how foreign financial crime think about real-time. No question about it. In 2025, uh, the community will be less um, uh, uh, less forgiving for not providing real-time remedies to real-time problems. Uh, this is high on, on our investment themes. I believe this is uh, high on the investment theme of each and every organization. And, and you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to see uh, us more and more interacting with the industry on this specific point.
0: Omri, thanks so much for your insights and your time uh, on today's podcast. And I hope you'll join us again sometime in the near future.
1: Uh, same here. I really enjoy the conversation. I'm looking forward to have more like that.
0: Financial crime is always a topic we like to discuss on our channel, not only because it constantly changes and issues interesting debate, but it's also a topic that organisations need to be extremely mindful of. This has been a really good look into how innovation and new technologies can impact organisations over the next five years when staying ahead of new trends and forms of criminal activity. Unfortunately that is all we have time for today, but as usual you can listen to more episodes on all things payments at the touch of a button using your preferred provider, and we'll see you all next time. The Payments Podcast from Bottom Line Technologies.